Hi everyone. Last week we discussed in this podcast songs about nature and the environment and that led us unexpectedly on another path, the last songs of singers and bands. And we got there, I think, when we were talking about the Earth uh, song of Michael Jackson, which was the very last song he ever uh, performed. And, um, and that was, of course, about the environment and that brought us to... Uh, Bob Marley's uh, redemption song that has nothing to do with environment, but it has to do with um, his uh, deteriorating health situation, as well as the kind of feeling he had of kind of giving over his, um, um, not knowing that his life was ending. And then we got the idea that, um, yeah, let's let's talk about the last songs that singers either uh, performed or recorded. Uh, it's, a, it's a kind of uh, last farewell to the world of singers that often die too young. and um, Or you can look at bands uh, at their kind of last song before breakups. But I think we will focus in this podcast mainly on uh, singers. Um, so for today, the Green Living podcast is for once not focusing on anything green uh, and uh, speaking about artists that passed, it's not very much on living either. Um, so no green living today. It's just about pop music. So with that, hi Ness, welcome. How are you? <laughs> hi, hi everyone. Uh, what are? Do you have some examples of a song that comes to mind of of singers that are? Um, yeah, whose last song you could share with us? <laughs> well, I, I suppose actually this one um, is kind of sort of in a random way. The title, if, if any, nothing else, um, is linked to climate change. <laughs> and it's Riders on the Storm, uh, The Doors, obviously, with, with, yeah, with, with uh, Jim Morrison. Um, he died on uh, July the 3rd in 1971. That was a few months after I was born. So um, <laughs> it's kind of, um, you know... Um, but they, they released, uh, three more studio albums after. Um, but, um, you know, this was the, um, this was the last one that, um, Jim Morrison, uh, recorded. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if you, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm quite, I'm a bit of a Doors fan, to be fair. Riders on the Storm is, is one of my favorite sort of tracks I mean, that I listen to when I'm quite, when I'm, when I'm annoyed with people or just annoyed with life and, and stuff. It's just lovely to turn all the lights down, put some candles on and, um, I drink a bottle of wine and listen to it, to be fair. <laughs> um, but, um, I mean, some people think that once Morrison went, then, um, the Doors kind of sort of petered out a little bit, but, um, or, you know, didn't have that same kind of, um, intensity. But I mean, you know, there was Morrison was just something else, really, wasn't he? Um, uh, so yeah, it was really the final studio recording. Um, it was made in December 1970, um, and um, and I said it, it features Morrison's final vocal with the Doors. Um, yeah, Manzarek um, was the guy who worked on it as well, and. Uh, he said that just, you know, Robbie and Jim, I'm, I'm quoting this, were playing and jamming um, something out of like ghost riders in the, in the sky. And um, and then he proposed this sort of bass line and that, you know, that piano part. And it's, I mean, it's so unique, isn't it? I mean, it's just, um, it's so intense. Um, apparently the jazzy style was his idea. And um, Jim being Jim, he had this story about um, a killer hitchhiker on the road. 
And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, and it just wasn't just about, um, a sort of, you know, a spree killer, which obviously Morrison had, had, had this sort of idea about. Um, but he actually dealt with love and loyalty. And I mean, you know, this is the planet podcast. And I think we should all be in love and, and be loyal to the planet. So, um, I think, um, it's quite a nice swan song in a way. Um, but he, um, he wallowed in the darkness, um, obviously to deliver that vocal. And when you do listen to it, it's really, really haunting. Um, and um, and it obviously came at the end of a rough year, uh, obviously because from his I don't know if you remember he's, he had an indecent arrest for indecent indecent sorry, <laughs> he had a, not only had an indecent arrest <laughs> he had he was he was arrested for indecent exposure anyway um, so yeah I mean but yeah it was just amazing he just that riders on the storm you know riders on the storm I was just it just fills your ears doesn't it and your soul and your heart and. Um, and because all the sound effects as well, um, you know, um, and it was Jim, apparently, who uh, said, let's add rain and thunder. So that's actually it's real rain and thunder, which I think makes it more primal um, than anything, really. Um, you know, uh, yeah. Um, and obviously, and apparently, um, thunder actually came in at the right places because um, that's that's kind of what happened. So yeah, it's like somebody quite quoted it was actually like a mini movie in the head. <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, yeah. Would, would, you know, do you have do you have any other thoughts on? Yeah, on it's, it it's an amazing song. Well, <laughs> indecent exposure just brings back a memory that sort of this this I once saw that in the documentary that just before he goes on stage there's his manager saying that he was somewhere in the south of the US or somewhere and they they're saying well you can't sing here uh, come on baby light my fire you're really not allowed to sing that because you will be arrested um, yeah yeah he says he's obviously he's not very 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 uh, sober at that point. yeah okay 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 so he goes on stage <laughs> <laughs> then he thinks, come on, baby, bite my wire. <laughs> so I'm not sure whether he got arrested then, but he may have. And, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, memories of the doors. I mean, Jesus, this, this music is magic. I'm, I'm always amazed at when you think about creativity of all kinds of artistic genres, then I mean, if, you, if you have a painting, you start with a blank canvas. And you can make anything out of it. I mean, it can, yeah. be, can be whatever, a, a classic uh, Golden Age kind of, of, of uh, Rembrandt painting, or you can have Cobra art from, from Apple or anything uh, in between. Yeah. Um, and the same as with music. You have like three minutes. Well, I think in this case, maybe more like <laughs> eight minutes. But you have like, like three minutes of silence, and you can fill it. And if you just listen on the radio, and you hear the enormous creativity the, the 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 wide differences how people fill this empty space in mm. in a few minutes time and i i think that is it's one of the most creative expressions that we have and then some songs really stand out and this is one i mean nobody has ever done a song like riders on the storm and nobody has ever done it since people mm. trying to imitate it uh but it's 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 unique, and having made that as his very last recording, that is that is amazing. I thought actually it would have been the end, uh, but which would have been so obvious. But when I, when I, when I <laughs> researched this, which is I think also on LA Woman, so it's 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 the same period, and 
Yeah, and I was I was actually I visited his grave in Paris. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's on Père Lachaise, not not far from Chopin, one of my other heroes. Oh yeah, a different genre. Talking about filling in a few <laughs> quiet minutes uh, with music, um, but uh, they're 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 stone throw away from each other. And when you enter that that uh, cemetery, it's somewhere well, in the center of Paris, a bit north northeast of the center of Paris, but you can easily go there. There's just a metro stop nearby, and you can. And you can easily find this grave because everywhere on basically anybody else's gravestone, people have uh, used paint to to write Jim and an arrow, and that leads you to his grave where uh, a lot of uh, people are there drinking beer and celebrating his uh, his life and contribution to music, uh, not caring very much for yeah. um, the people standing that stone throw away at Chopin's grave. There were some Polish people quietly singing. <laughs> The beautiful, the beautiful <laughs> songs for Chopin. They have a loud, loud group of um, of Jim Morrison supporters. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. What else do we have on our list? <laughs> um, we got Mercedes Benz, uh, Janis Joplin. Oh, um, oh, just by the thing. We got, I know we're going to talk about the age twenty seven, but um, yeah, he was found dead in. Uh, you know, um, Jim Morrison was found dead in Paris at the age yeah. of twenty seven. So people hold that in your brain for a moment. Um, but yeah, the next song is Mercedes Benz, Janis Joplin, um, and um, and obviously if you remember it, she she says it right at the end of it. Um, that's it, and then it's yeah. followed by a cackle, and yeah. um, and it was for the final moments recorded um, by her. And it's just brilliant because, I mean, she was just, I mean, if you remember, she just had a great sense of humor. Um, I mean, it's incredibly talented. Um, and it, she came up with this sort of daft tune uh, just a couple of months before she recorded it. And this was in August 1970. Um, and it was in between different shows, actually, um, in New York. Uh, and, um, yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was actually during a drinking session with um, her music friend, Bob Neweth. And um, and do, two actors, uh, if you remember them, Rip Torn, which is such a cool name anyway, um, and Geraldine Page. Um, but she kept singing the first line of a song by um, Michael McClure, um, Come on, God, and buy me a Mercedes Benz. And then obviously the more, more she drank, <laughs> um, she just got this sort of single line into this sort of longer song. Um and you know, <laughs> even asking asking God for a colour TV and a night on the town, um, and and basically, um, uh, yeah, the music mate Neweth, um was there, and he wrote down the lyrics on a on a napkin in the on, in a bar. So I was something I I love the kind of idea of that. I mean, I've I've done a few um, Alex have been with creatives where you know you've you kind of you've come up with an idea and then you have like a little napkin next to you or you kind of and you just start drawing it or planning it and you actually the, the whole thing about the back of a fag packet i think it's <laughs> the back of a napkin i think it's um it's all really really the same um you know apparently yeah they're all sort of sitting around drinking you know with the beer mugs on the table and and um you know obviously chanting what this this song was um and uh yeah it's just it was brilliant um and then she started singing the song by herself a cappella, apparently, um, in in twenty thirteen. So anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I love this song. I mean, it's it's. Mm. Uh, I love Janis Joplin. I I remember so clearly, and I I don't have to with many artists that I really remember when I heard, when I kind of discovered an artist, and and I I remember clearly it was Janis Joplin that 
Um, I'd been doing my research um, at uh, Gajamada University in in, uh, um, in Central Java uh, in in a, in a small village, and when mm -hmm. that half year of research was was finished, I took a bit of time to travel around in Indonesia before I made like a four month trip uh, through Asia to get back home, and. Um, my very first night when my work was over, I went up to a little mountain village called Kaliurang. It's on the Mount Merapi, on the slopes of the Merapi. And um, I actually, I want to go there because my mother lived there in the colonial days, uh, just before the Second World War and during the Second World War, unfortunately. Um, but she used to have their weekend outings in, um, in Kaliurang. So I went up there and I stayed in a hotel called Vogels, the Dutch word for birds, which was run by um, a half Japanese, half Indonesian guy called Christian. And um, there I was uh, in the kind of, it was kind of a bit of youth hostel kind of setting. And there was a woman playing, there There were tapes, as we could play those cassette tapes of those days. And, and so somebody had to put on music and everybody else had to listen. And, and somebody played, uh, actually, this uh, is this album called Pearl, the last album of, of Janet Joplin? Uh, I think it is. And, and so she played that song. And there was, um, I, I think it started with Bobby McGee. I, I was fascinated by the song of Bobby McGee, being a traveler myself at that time. And uh, so I kind of fell in love with her rough voice, etc. And... Uh, soon after, I, I discovered this song, which which is also kind of unique and it's completely a cappella, but also with that, that rough voice singing a song, which the tune would actually be most fitted for kind of children's song in 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 the kindergarten. And uh, but then with her rough voice and this uh, uh, this this lyrics, it's uh, it's funny. So she gives a last giggle, and yeah. that's it. That's the very last recording we have of Janis Joplin, again, dying at the age of 27, again, by abuse of alcohol and drugs and anything else that she could find, which, which is so sad. I mean, these brilliant artists dying so young. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Also, we have Jimmy, Jimi Hendrix. I know we discussed Sorry. Jimi Hendrix dying at 27, another one. Yeah. Which, there's something with that age. I'm so glad I passed it. Seems a lot of people die at that age. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, what is it about that? I don't know. You get to a certain point in your life, and you just kind of you're. you're, you're I don't know. Is it, maybe there's some psychologist out there that's probably got an answer to it. But um, obviously, Jimi Hendrix, you say, died at 27. Um, Jim Morrison did, and and uh, um, and she did, like you say. So there's the three of them. But Jimi Hendrix's last song, uh, last studio recording, anyway, um, was "Belly Button Window," um, which doesn't sound. Um, you know, if people don't know what it is, it actually was a song about being born, uh, which is kind of like you know, it's the wind, a belly button window. You kind of you think about it, it, actually does make sort of sense. And um, you know, and it is that we are about the, the planet podcast, and we are about being born on the earth. So I suppose this is all relate related randomly. Um, it's actually amazing how many songs are actually written about the sort of primal state of but life, death, love, growth, um, all this anyway. Um, but um, he wrote this. It was a it was a country blues um, tune basically um and he was basically trying to imagine what it must be like to be a fetus um kind of sort of growing up and and observing his parents through a belly button window um I mean, that's pretty cool really um and you know and and, and hendrix bandmate mitch mitchell 
was apparently the the, the reason he he created it um, because um, he was he was about to well he wasn't about to give birth obviously his partner was um, and and he so and Hendrix sort of seemed to kind of pull on these sort of unhappy memories of childhood um, for the lyrics as well which um, you know obviously suggests that his parents weren't that happy by the fact that she was pregnant you know and and, he, and there's a couple of lines saying I swear I see nothing but a lot of frowns. And I'm wondering if they want me around. Uh, you know, that's really, that's really quite sad. So, you know, again, that sort of intensity of a musician, you know, and that sadness and that ele- elemental need for life and energy and touching people's um, souls with music and connection. Um, and, and also bringing lots of happiness um, makes you wonder as well. Again, psychologists would probably have a field day with it. But, that, you know, if you feel like you've been rejected or not wanted by your parents, then... Maybe that's what compelled him to write this amazing music that he did and, and actually give so much um, connection um, and reason for being, actually, for many people. Um, you know, some of the lyrics were amazing. Apparently he wrote the lyrics before the melody on this one, which again says a lot, you know. Um, and, um, yeah, uh, um, yeah. I mean, he it recorded the last, um, it's in August uh, 20, in August Sorry, in, in August 1970, let's get this right. <laughs> um, he uh, he recorded the final version as a solo piece. Um, yeah, and uh, days after, um, yeah, they were off to play um, 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 the Isle of Wight Festival in 1970. Um, but um, it was gone, you know, less than a month. So killed again by drug drug related asphyxiation at the age of 27. What a loss for the music industry. I mean, all these people uh, dying so young. And this, uh, this Isle of Wight Festival is actually famous for... And the Doors played there as well, actually. Mm-hmm. This is the last of the, yeah. the Isle of Wight Festivals. The whole population was, was in a kind of uprising that they would do it again. I think this is the <laughs> third and last one. And the biggest one. This is the biggest concert of its day. It was bigger than, than, than uh, Woodstock. Uh, that was just one or two years before and um it's uh yeah so so that's that's an amazing um, amazing moment in uh, in history he is uh, buried uh, near seattle actually where where he is from and uh, i uh, i heard that uh, still uh, tens of thousands of fans uh, visit this uh, memorial annually he's still amongst the, the greatest guitar players uh, ever uh, so it's it's mm. a fascinating guy. I would put Mark Knopfler high up in uh, in, in guitar players, and uh, uh, it's yeah. a completely different style, of course. Uh, but yeah. I mean, he didn't die at 27. We would know so much of his beautiful music. I know, and There's I love another it. one, Amy Winehouse, talking yeah. about dying at 27. We yeah. got another one. Wow. Um, for for um, Amy Winehouse, it's very difficult to find out what was really her last song. It depends a bit on how you how you count. Uh, but maybe you've seen those those really depressing pictures of her last real mm. performance in Belgrade and so yeah. which was just such a, such a sad thing that mm. somebody so talented and so vulnerable can just just their, her whole body and mind was just destroyed by by drugs. Um, mm. as, uh, her 
boyfriend played a, a very terrible role in that. If you if you if you follow the documentaries of, of mm -hmm. the role that he played, which is um, the the opposite of the supportive role that you would expect from from a partner. And um, yeah, so she she did perform a little bit there, although the crowd was screaming that they were not happy uh, because she couldn't really perform anymore and the, the song before last is one of my favorites uh, valerie which, uh, mm. which is uh, which is a wonderful song um and her very last song is you're wondering now and mm. then about a month later just days before she died she did get on stage and there's actually um there's a video uh, from from that performance uh, where uh, she appeared with her goddaughter, um, who was uh, supporting um, a, a boy band uh, called The Wanted, uh, which I'd nev never heard of, to be honest. Um, and she joined her on stage for, for the final song. Uh, so, yeah, briefly, you can say she did perform, but uh, I don't think that really counts. Um, mm. And then, yeah, in... in summer 2011 I really remember hearing this news that she was found dead at home uh, in Camden in North, North London yeah. and um, yeah it was they called it accidental alcohol poisoning the word accidental is is maybe not the best choice of words for um, for her uh, drink abuse uh, but gosh mm -hmm. she left such beautiful yeah. music those two albums are just no, I keep playing them, so that's... that's uh, yeah. That's yeah, she was amazing. She yeah. was there at the 27 Club, or moved to others. Well, we still got yeah. some 27s, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, just on that Amy Winehouse um, thing, um, she appeared at around... I actually photographed Adele at the round, Roundhouse when she was um, coming through. So, um, yeah, that was, that was many... That was quite a few years ago, of course, but... Um, yeah, amazing, amazing singer. So, um, yeah, she's 27 years. I was going to say as well, because this is the Planet podcast as well, um, it's like a, I, I keep just with going on it. I don't know if I'm in, a, I just think I'm in one of those funny zones at the moment. But you sort of mentioned about her partner being abusive. And it's really like what we're doing to the earth. We're, we're abusing the earth and it's going to end up dying before it's time. So, I, you know, this is kind of... I think uh, maybe it's where I am at the moment in my head, but um, it, I, it's, it's actually hammering home the whole messaging with this. Um, same with the 27 Club. Um, Brian Jones, um, if anybody remembers him, um, he was um, he was in the Rolling Stones um, and he apparently he'd been thrown out a month before he died. Um, so there was no last um, clear last song. Um, but um, he was a founding member of the Rolling Stones and um, obviously he himself as well um, developed a, um, a severe substance abuse problem um, that, take, that obviously took a toll on his health and it landed him in jail, of course. Um, and obviously the, that's probably why his, his bandmates like had to or, whatever, you know, had to, I don't know if they had to is the right word, but, um, you know, parted company um, from him. But he was forced out of the group in... Uh, in June 1969, and then um, in July he was he was found dead at the bottom of his swimming pool. Um, and police report, reported that he drowned under the influence of, of alcohol and drugs. Um, but actually, some people say that, um, and this is quite recent evidence that it might have had a there might have been foul play um, at, at, at um, in in you know at, at, at hand in the, in this. But um, yeah, he was 27. Um, yeah. Do you have an on that happy note? Do you have another? Do you have another? 
27? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, talk about happy notes. Uh, okay, one more 27. Kurt Corbain, of course, uh, of, of Nirvana. Mm. Um, and um, mm. there, there you get into a phase that you slowly start to suspect that uh, singers that commit suicide pick the age of 27 to keep mm. the myth alive. I don't know it's whether yeah. that was a coincidence or not, but... His very last song is 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 uh, is known. It's uh, you know you're right. Um, and actually, the, the the members of the band didn't expect too much of the song. Um, uh, they didn't really plan for a lot of time to record it, and they they were kind of experimenting a little bit with it. And um, then they uh, they. Did record it rather rather quickly. I think there were just uh, just a few a few tries on this, and um, then um, uh, what what they did was uh, they, they 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 were looking for an interesting introduction that made the song different than other songs. And then what Kurt Cobain was doing, he was he's playing on when you I don't know how you describe this, but when you have a, a guitar. You have at the end the strings end up at a bridge just before you get to those buttons that you that you put them on, and that so there's a little bit of uh, string left which <laughs> you're not supposed to play, but he played them, and that that made this this kind of strange uh, beginning, and then then soon after you're you're bombarded with this wall of sound that is, which brings us to Phil Spector, by the way, mm. uh, who also died. Uh, but it's this it's this wall of sound that is that is that is exploding. It it makes it uh, quite a special song. I'm I'm not at all a fan of Nirvana. Nirvana. I I never really got too much into it. I think it's it's interesting, but I I don't know. I really get depressed if I if I hear those songs. I'm, I'm, I'm not. A, how about you? Are you a Nirvana fan? No, not really. I've got to say, um, no, I don't know. It kind of um, sort of bypassed me, really. There's some cool songs. I mean, don't get me wrong. And I think you have to be in the right, well, I have to be in the right frame of mind to kind of like, you know, um, be Nirvana'd out. But um, I kind of, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, there's various different jam sessions and stuff that they did. And there was lots of weekend tapes and, and things that kind of like went out on the internet and things. And they were quite cool. And I had a had a friend who was, um, who used to do, um, uh, Foo Fighters, you know, it was like in a tribute band to the Foo Fighters, and I, I hadn't really, I hadn't really got into them either. But he used to, and I, I sort of, I photographed them at the at, in this pub thing that they did. I was, I'm like, God, this is so cool. Um, obviously, I listened to the tracks afterwards, you know, in, in real life, you know, by the Foo Fighters, and I'm like, oh, maybe not. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I think I must have just been like, you know, in the vibe, you know, like as photographers, we do get into the, you know, the whole creative, <laughs> the whole creative moment. <laughs> um, but. Um, yeah, no, I no, I wasn't really, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Same, same thing here. And this song was actually, it was only nine years after it was recorded that it was released, so long after he died, because oh. Courtney Love was, uh, was, was blocking the release of the song. And then once uh, You Know Your Right came out, uh, it, was, it, it became an enormous success on, on the radio and all the charts. And uh, it it went uh, multi platinum around the world, so it's it was uh, yeah that was a a gem for the aficionados that has been uh, hidden for um, for a long time. Let's let's go beyond twenty seven. Um, <laughs> there are some stars that actually were wise enough to die much older, and uh, several of those 
knew that they were going to die and therefore uh, as a kind of goodbye to the world or tribute to themselves or whatever you want to call it, they took the time to write and record um, a, a kind of last song unlike all the other examples because none of them knew except for Kurt Cobain maybe but none of them knew that they were going to die and um, yeah I think Frank, Frank Sinatra is an example with mm -hmm. uh, his song I Did It My Way um, which uh, he he didn't write himself it was, it was Paul Anka uh, who, was, who was still young in those days and uh, he wrote that song uh, inspired by Sinatra's long career and his his way of speaking and his, his special way of, of performing his unique style that he that he always kept and um, so it's it's um, yes I, I I think it's if you listen to the song with that in mind knowing that it's kind of yeah kind of looking back and 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 saying yeah I did it my way there's been quite a few quite a bit of criticism on him his his way was uh, quite closely connected to the mafia um uh, so I d i'm not sure if 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 that was his meaning but at least uh, <laughs> that is something that comes to mind when i listen to the guy so um yeah so he he died at the age of 82 in uh, 1998 so um uh, there was uh, i remember the news that uh, that he died i mean those yeah. things always uh, hit, uh, hit the news of course um yeah so uh what else do we have um uh, freddie mercury maybe we do that one the show must yeah. go on um and that was recorded uh, just a month before he died um obviously he had aids and he died in 1991 i remember hearing about that when i was sitting in the bloomsbury theater cafe bar and uh, i was at university and i used to sit in the morning uh, before i did my library shelving little job um and a, a bit of extra bunts and i used to sit there with a, uh, with a crossword with a friend and we'd sit there every morning and, and it came on the radio. It was like it was the music was playing and the show must go on. And honestly, I can still feel it now. I can still feel it. I, I just, I, you know, goosebumps. Um, and um, yeah, incredible sadness because like you say, it's, you know, just uh, what a loss really. Um, the song was actually written mostly by Brian May. Um, and um and obviously it's sort of it's supposed to it's supposed to have chronicled um freddie mercury's kind of efforts to continue performing despite his illness i mean if you look at some of the you know the videos you know amazing man you know just like just standing up and keep going keep going and you and the backstory once you realize that you can sort of see the pain that he must have been in and but what what an amazing band for them all to pull together and, and stuff. I actually met Brian May um, with um, Patrick Moore because, you know, he's an astronomer. And, um, and uh, yeah, he's was, it was a, it was a really nice nice chap. So you, I can I could almost imagine them writing this music um, and just feeling it, feeling it all together. Um, yeah, you know, um, yeah, I think, um, I think, yeah, Fair yeah. Must Go On is, is a wonderful song. Um, yeah, both of them are amazing, and it, I think it's also amazing how the two of them could get along together because they seem <laughs> to be such completely different characters by mm. by background and and by 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 the types that they are in so many he ways. Was, and he was Brian really May shy. Now, yeah. what what is the title? He is the what do you say? The director of the university, but there's another word. Who call? Do you say the rector of the university in, mm. in uh, of Oxford? 
mm-hmm. um, which, which is amazing for for mm. a world famous pop singer uh, mm. to uh, and, uh, end up in, uh, in in that position. He's an astrophysicist, isn't he? Um, yeah. Brian May. I mean, he he really is an astro. I think he did it at UCL. Um, so mm-hmm. really, I mean, amazing. He, he's written a book, fantastic book, with um, uh, him, uh, Patrick Moore, and uh, something else. I've got a, I've got a copy here, and I can't think what it's called, but it's um, it's a lovely hardback book, and it sort of takes you through space and astronomy, um, like kind of like sort of through the sort of back, you know, for for for, for sim- sim- very simply, you know, different planets and things. So that's um, that's that's worth uh, worth seeing. But um, yeah, yeah. Um, but Freddie, um, I was going to say yeah. Freddie Mercury was really shy. I don't yeah. know if you know, it was really shy. So I, I can imagine, because Brian May's a quiet, quiet person as well, very, very quiet. So I, actually, yeah. I, I imagine them getting on quite well, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it would have been interesting to see those dynamics. Well, you can see that in this movie, of course, about Queen, which is, which is a good one. I haven't seen it yet. And, oh, you have to see it. It's, uh, it's good. I saw it in the airplane at a certain moment, and that's typically that, that you get in this race <laughs> between does your movie finish before the plane lands? <laughs> yeah. so I've missed the past 10 minutes, but I, I kind of could fill in that part. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so he died in 1991, and then uh, about a year later, one and a half year, years later, I mm-hmm. moved to uh, London as my first diplomatic posting, and my, mm-hmm. my house was just a five minutes walk away from his house in Kensington. Um, it was it was blocked by a huge wall, and that wall was completely scribbled by uh, by people who wrote messages to Freddie Mercury. And when uh-huh. I was there, so that was like like let's say two years later. There was just every evening when you passed, there were there were people there scribbling things on on, on the wall, and. Um, it's uh, yeah. That's that's. It, it, it kind of the memory brings you kind of close to somebody that I've uh, that I've never met. So um, yeah, and and now and talking about other people, um, singers singing their last song. Um, there is Leonard Cohen, who is mm. uh, revered here in Canada as an absolute national hero if you if you go to montreal if you walk through the center of montreal there's this huge mural that is just i don't know how many uh, uh, stories high in in um, uh, on 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 the blank wall somewhere in the center of montreal um and yeah he's everywhere and mm. so leonard cohen wrote a couple of months before he died um that's um uh this uh, this song darker and um, it is um, it, yeah it's 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 a very uh, very special song it's 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 really really dark in mm. uh, in in you you mm. you also feel a kind of acceptance that he is going to die yeah and that is that is that is clearly clearly in there um, I, th- I think it's officially called you want it darker that is the the, the, the the song that I'm talking about you want it darker and it's again such a unique piece in uh, in pop music history if you mm. call it pop music I mean he was he was basically a poet who at a certain moment just took his guitar to guide himself mm. Mm. and um, he's also one of those artists that um have been with me all my life. I mm. got to know uh, Leonard Cohen in my high school days, mm. and I've been listening to his music forever. And that's 
yeah, that, that's that's true. It's quite a few artists, and they they become kind of like I recently described that cities can be part of your life and part of your your identity. Like when I'm in yeah. New York City, I feel at home because I've yeah. been there so often. I have the same with music, for instance, music of Leonard Cohen. I've just just listened to it so much um, all my life that it's yeah, it's kind of become. Mm. become part of me is that something that you recognize that you yeah recognize absolutely yeah um paris is my place i kind of obviously london because i was born there and i kind of spent most of my life there but um paris i can i feel at home there i work there quite a bit and i just know the back streets i know the Marriott, i know everywhere and and just yeah it's just easy you kind of it's like it's family isn't it it's friendly it's um rome i love as well i really love rome um I couldn't find it in Hong Kong, funny enough. I couldn't, there was like, I missed the heartbeat in Hong Kong. There was something uh, I, I couldn't quite get, but um, Singapore was I understand quite... it, you didn't get it in Hong Kong. I've been there a few times. I didn't yeah. get the vibe either. Oh, some people no. love it. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Paris and London are high on mm. my list too. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Leonard Cohen, I just, um, Alleluia um, is an amazing song. Um, and that's one of those that just haunts you, isn't it? And there's all the there's all the, um, the references about you know what does it actually mean, um, yeah. you know, and the lyrics change as well, don't they? I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we can sort of discuss here, but um, yeah. yeah, I mean that that last week what you're talking about the um, that you want it darker, that album um, is really really strong and powerful because he knew he knew he was dying actually. Um, yeah. And um, and obviously, as we know, death was always like an inspiration to Cohen. Um, and um, the Spanish poet Federico Garcia Lorca, as well, one of the also also quite 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 fond of of death. Um, but um, there was a sort of track. Part of this track says, you know, if you are a dealer, I'm out of the game. If you are a healer, I'm broken and lame. I'm ready, my lord. You know, it's like, you know, it's, <laughs> you do want to slit your wrists actually after you've listened to a current song. You kind of, it's a bit too, um, a bit too much, you know. Um, yeah. You know, lift this glass of blood and try to say grace. It's just, you yeah. know, what? It's so strong. So, yeah. But there's lots yeah. of, lots of music that really. And, yeah. And it's, it's also, he clearly knew that he was dying because mm. I think everybody listening knows the song So Long, Marianne. If you've missed that song all your life, you really missed something. Mm. And, uh, Marianne, who was one of his many uh, former lovers, um, she was uh, was dying, and um, uh, so he wrote to her, um, "I think I will follow you very soon, and uh, know that I'm so close behind you that if you stretch out your hands, I think you can reach mine." Mm-hmm. Which I think is so poetic. And he he knew he had cancer. He knew that he was dying. And he wrote those lines to her, and mm. um, yeah, I, I, I think that's that's really that's really touching, especially between it's 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 a love song that everybody knows. We've heard it so many times all our lives. And, yeah. and it's funny what you yeah. just mentioned of Hallelujah. That reminds me of when I was in New York just a couple of days ago, and um, I was walking in in Central Park, and I described somewhere on I don't know, buy me a coffee, or maybe in, in my newsletter, or on Twitter or so, but I, I described um, that I was uh, in this um, in this place where there, where there was this guitar singer uh, who was named Carlos, uh, who's always performing there. He's been there for for many mm-hmm. years, and uh, he was playing Hallelujah, and mm-hmm. I, 
if I'm not mistaken, I actually have a a recording of him playing that while I was standing behind him and filming the people. Uh, but I later didn't re- use the recording because the microphone I used wasn't directed, so it picked up all the sounds of people passing by, so it's difficult to hear the song. I might throw it on, on Buy Me A Coffee, which is no, normally followed by just a very small group of, of people that are, I, I like to say are, are following everything that I do, and they, they don't mind if the recording is bad, so I might throw it on there. And um, yeah, yeah, so um, let me look yeah. at the clock. Uh, yeah, we, we can maybe do one or two more, and then because okay. I got to run, because I, I got an appointment where I got to cycle to in time i'm in netherlands so okay. i'm on the bicycle now so yeah okay. who's next on our list um well david bowie um i think we can we can um, mention i think we when we can we can we need to mention david bowie yeah, really course. um yeah. um i mean really uh again i was i was actually really shocked when i i mean because i'd been out of it for ages i've been doing quite a lot of traveling myself actually i've been working in africa and, and flying backwards and forwards between there and bangladesh and things and um and i i didn't realize um that he was he'd been ill even and i thought did anybody else know about this but um yeah, he died, obviously, um, for, after having faced liver cancer for the previous 18 months. And um, and the the last lyrics that he put out, of course, everybody's been, you know, analysing them and stuff. But I, I just, um, you know, there was the latest, look up here, I'm in heaven. He sang in, in Lazarus, um, obviously the song, obviously referencing um, the biblical figure that was raised from the dead, you know, um, you know, something happened on the day he died. You know, spirit rose a meter and stepped aside. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic jazz um, track, um, that sort of rock sound that he had, you know. Um, and, yeah, just the band sort of mirrors the words and um, just, just like everything about Bowie, um, there's this sort of poetic art, artistry, art, heart, um, that's in his music and in his poetry and in his messaging and in and in the melodies and and just everything about him um, and it, and beautiful. It's it's a really beautiful thing to think you know that he's he's obviously thinking about it. He's philosophizing about his own passing and and where he's going and but to leave something like that behind that he knows he's going to be listened to um, by people. Um, it's actually quite uh, quite a nice thing. For people to think that, well, he'd be up there still, still around somewhere and, you know, making music and he'll be there when we get up there, you know, or down there, <laughs> wherever it's going to be. When he says up there, he kind of says, I'm in heaven. He does say up. So let's, let's, let's. He's optimistic. Yeah. He uses heaven. But yeah, again, I mean, talking about filling a blank canvas. I mean, wow. Oh. The, the creativity that he has shown and the, yeah. um, I mean, like a true artist creating a unique space for yourself, where where nobody can touch you. This this is the kind of thing that he was good at. The music that he made, and there's there's nobody coming near uh, to 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 that genre of music. He's the mm. master of it, and and mm. it's um, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's it's another unique contribution to pop music. It's such a rich such a rich cultural field that uh, we have here in Netherlands a professor in pop music and I'm so jealous you know imagine that's your job you can sit at university and you get your 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 professor salary you can just listen to pop music and you can do podcasts probably about this kind of stuff what a what a good life we'll do one last one mm-hmm. and then then um, then we don't have too much time anymore but I 
I, I think we, we can't um, do this without mentioning Buddy Holly. Um, and mm -hmm. Because his death has been so tragic and so early in the development of pop music. Mm -hmm. So he died in, in, in early 1959. And that is just just years after Rock Around the Clock, which I think a bill of Bill Haley, which which I think is often seen as the kind of beginning of, of, of pop music, although you can you can have endless debates, you can go all the way back to Glenn Miller and the big bands or whatever you you want to go back to. But um, something that starts to to, to to look and to 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 to, to hear like pop music uh, he was completely at the beginning of all of that and, and he was he was only I think 22 when he died, mm -hmm. um, and then he uh, he died together with some of really the best, most talented, most promising artists of his day, and they were they were together in that airplane uh, that then crashed. And so his last song was um, "It Doesn't Matter Anymore," mm -hmm. and that sounds uh, like like a horrible title for. Um, for somebody that died so young, but he he beat all the twenty-seven uh, uh, dyers in this broadcast um, mm -hmm. by five years, um, and he he wasn't to blame at all. He was just in in a small plane that was caught in a storm and it uh, and it uh, and it crashed. So it doesn't matter anymore. It wasn't something like some kind of 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 depressing goodbye message to the world. It was uh, about a broken-up relationship, as uh, people do when you're 22. Um, so that was was it about, and it's it's I know, when you listen to it. Uh, I mean, this is not brilliant by today's standards of music, but I mm. mean, listen a few years later to uh, the first songs of the Beatles. I mean, they're 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 like love, love me do <laughs> that kind of nonsense. I mean, that it it wasn't developed that much, but they were these guys were laying the roots of what became such a highly influential force of of in in in, in modern day uh, culture. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and then of course his. Um, his death, and 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 together, of course, with uh, with uh, Richie Valens and and the Big Bopper, um, then inspired the song uh, "The Day the Music Died," and that is if if we're ever I don't know if you want to do one more about pop music, but on that song, uh, we we could do a whole broadcast only about the meaning of that song. If you want to go into that someday, otherwise we, we we might go back to the Green Living, which we should, of course, because this is the Green Living podcast. But I would love to do. Yeah. I would love to challenge you for <laughs> one more pop uh, uh, podcast on pop music, if you feel like it, on That's just great. based on on that mm -hmm. song. Yeah, let's are, are do you it. For that? Yeah, let's do it because again, uh, because I think I, I, the academic in me, I'm seeing so many analogies with the Earth and the planet and things passing, and you know, the day the music died is kind of you know, yeah, let's <laughs> save the planet before the music dies completely. You know, yeah. before, we, before we can't make any more music and the and yeah. the Earth can't sing anymore. So yeah, let's do okay. that. We'll 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 do one more if the, if the audience agrees. Um, uh, <laughs> But I don't see any clapping. There's, there's an awful silence now. So maybe we should talk about green stuff again. Um, but um, yeah, so so okay, we're we're just gonna do it and then uh, then then see if people. Like
like it or not. Um, but um, let me see. We got. We, we can maybe have just one or two more questions. But then I uh, I gotta run, and I know how busy you are today. Um, but I I don't see any questions popping up. I'm briefly going to the chat. I didn't see anything in the chat either. Um, then uh, then I think we 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 should. Uh, we, we should leave it at this uh, today. I, I thought it was fun. I hope other things are too. Um, if, uh, for those that, uh, that, that don't approve of the pop music ones, okay, we'll promise only one more and then we're really going back to, uh, to Green Living, what this podcast is, uh, is yeah. really about. But hey guys, it's summertime, so uh, it's time to, uh, uh, to do uh, something, uh, something else. Uh, Marianne says, very interesting but sad. Yes. It is. Uh, it's deeply sad that people that make such brilliant art um, are are dying so young, and that also that uh, it still seems to be the culture in pop music that um, the, the the managers or the friends or anybody that should uh, kind of keep an eye on 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 the individuals involved are not uh, are not capable of making sure that they can also live a normal life. Um, Avicii is another one that comes to mind. Mm. I mean, that's very recent, you know, it's a Dutch mm. guy. Um, Look at Elvis. Yeah. Elvis, you well, know. Elvis yeah. was another one, of course. Yeah. I mean, that's His agent 90, was creaming the money. 1978, yeah. August, 16th of August. Okay, check mm. me on that one. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, Elvis, mm. tragic as well. Mm. I mean, just, just being very lonely there in Graceland. There's not mm. a song about Graceland, by the way. Yeah. And, oh, Paul uh, Simon. One. Yeah, Paul Simon. And, uh, yeah, no, Paul yeah. Simon. They made the album Graceland. Yeah, it was also ah. that song. But I'm I'm yeah. thinking about uh, the song starting with those blue sweat shoes. I'm not really sure who sang it. It's it's a, it's a guy who only made one hit. This one. Okay. Hit. All right. Um, beautiful song. I'll look it up someday. But yeah, yeah Elvis is is another one. And mm -hmm. yeah, so that is uh, that is really sad. And and especially that um, nobody seems to be able to. To avoid uh, these dramas um, mm. happening, and and uh, it it shouldn't be the case that uh, that 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 this happens and that we see it happening. Amy Winehouse is an obvious example. Mm. Um, everybody knew that she was going to die early, and that's that's just it seems nobody nobody's able to stop her. I'm not really sure how the structure should be, but mm. yeah, that is mm. um, that is uh, sad, of course. And, um, oh, 16 August 1977. I was one year off. Sorry, guys. But the 16th of August was there, I think. Um, so somehow, I don't know, I've got some Swiss numbers in my mind. But they're not always correct. So keep, keep double-checking me. <laughs> and, um, okay, well, with that, um, I for this week, uh, there'll be uh, certainly uh, the one with Alistair on Thursday, uh, normal time. And uh, I will likely pop up at a certain moment with something else which I haven't decided on yet and normally uh, you may expect me to hear me at least on uh, the Sunday um, afternoon normal time maybe a little bit earlier uh, with a kind of five minute short one but I'll probably uh, create something else uh, during this week maybe on the Wednesday or so depending a bit on uh, on how this week is going because I just arrived back in the Netherlands and I still have to get organized and I also have to get back in this rhythm. Um, I'm still lacking uh, six hours that I lost somewhere during my flight. <laughs> so my sleeping rhythm is a nightmare. 
Um, I'm, I'm sleepy when I'm awake. <laughs> I sleep when I'm trying to sleep. Okay. With that, guys, I keep talking too long. Thanks so much, Nash, for, uh, for, for joining. Thank you. And, um, and then, um, see you all very soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.